Hello friends and welcome to Building Tradition, where we tell stories from designers, builders, and artisans. History informs the future, and so do our guests. I'm your host, Peter Miller. We're joined today by Terry Sullivan of Terry Sullivan Interiors, who launched her practice in 1987, first in New York and now in Washington, D.C., but with clients all over the world. Greetings, Terry. Welcome to Building Tradition. Thank you, Peter. I've got some questions for you. Um, first one is, how did you get on America's top designer list with House Beautiful and El Decor magazines? Well, I um, was a young interior designer at Parrish Hadley and um, had been to design school. Uh, before I started there, I um, had worked for Clement Conger, who was the curator of White House State Department Blair House. And so I was familiar with a lot of antiques and period rooms. And after graduation, I worked, um, I gave tours at Rosecliff in Newport. Um, I lived there for two years working for a design architecture firm and before Mr. Hadley hired me. And um, so I worked with him for a few years and um, at Parrish Hadley. And I went out on my own as a young designer uh, with a lot of training, and um, I had done a show house in Newport, and um, he saw the show house, and um, after I left, when I was on my own, my friends were buying apartments and asking me to help them, and um, he saw a show house that I had designed, and um, call, his, his secretary called me. I was so scared. She said, Mr. Halley's on the phone, and I never know, knew what that meant, and um, so he started putting me in um, his articles. The magazines would go to him and say, can you list the top 30 young designers kind of on the, um, um, the future of American design. And um, he would, I would always be the first one that he would include. And um, um, so I was always very flattered by that. And um, he saw in me that the importance of an education, he had uh, been a teacher at Parsons School of Design. I did a Parsons in Paris program, and um, I have studied more interior architecture, doing full-scale, you know, ink drawings. And um, he saw the importance of that in in a designer or decorator's role. So um, he thought the combination of my design, my art history, and my decorative arts was um, um, could be beneficial to, to to clients in the design industry. We, we both serve as volunteers at the Institute of Classical Architecture and Art, Washington, D.C., Mid-Atlantic Chapter, you on the Education Committee. And this comes up a lot in classical circles, if you will. What defines classical interiors? Well, classical interiors to me denotes a stylistic unity um, where you can't um, eliminate anything. Everything contributes to a whole. And um, the design concepts would include the walls, the ceilings, the floors, the textiles. And um, so when you're doing a design concept for a client, you have all of those things in mind to create one concept. And um, it's if 
you're doing a classical concept, it's based on classical ornament taken from antiquity, uh, Greek and Rome. And there are certain um, principles that um, from those periods and certain motifs that can be incorporated into, into these designs that you're these concepts that you're creating, such as the acanthus leaf, rosette, scroll, egg and dart. Um, and those motifs can be both in the architecture and then to make the room more classical, then you incorporate them into the all aspects of the interior. Could you achieve it without architectural ornament or detail? Could you do it just... You mean structural? Correct. Yes, of course. So if you look back at houses in Pompeii, the interiors there, you have mosaic floors that you that are um, mosaic baths. You have um, these motifs in embroidery, and you can do the embroidery uh, for curtains or for trims. You have um, um, wallpaper that can be designed with uh, these same motifs with uh, honeysuckle, for example. Uh, William Morris created a famous honeysuckle. He looked back to antiquity as well. So different periods throughout interior design history have taken from the um, from classical antiquity and incorporated these in their own time. And um, so, but the it really creates a harmonious, balanced, unified space interesting how much of the outdoors you've you've brought to the interiors um fractals if you will there's a book called the neuroscience of architecture which talks about the importance of bringing the outdoors to interiors for a more soothing parasympathetic experience it's been said today that um uh the design ethic is strictly modern Everywhere you look and read, it's modern, modern, modern. And that ho- that younger homeowners don't want brown furniture or antiques. And they certainly don't want the clutter that is often associated with classical design. Um, do you think that's true? I think definitely the clutter. They don't want clutter. Um, you know, 20 years ago, people were doing tablescapes and um, you know, pattern on pattern and um, um, you know pictures all over the walls. I think people like a more pared down look, but that doesn't mean it can't be classical. I went to the design center the other day and looked at all the new products that, are, that have come out and the trims are embroidered. They have the Greek key, they have the canthus leaf, they have the, so they're still going back to these different motifs, but using it in a different way without calling it, they may not realize that, well, this is still classical, that it's not cluttered. So I think these motifs are just timeless because they're beautiful. And like you said, they do reflect the, the outdoors and, um, um, you know, they do kind of um, bring beauty into room. And, you know, even some of the geomet- geometric patterns and the materials are still the same. You're still using linen, silk, cotton, terracotta. If you go back to Pompeii, those are all the household materials. And um, there, there, I was watching a movie just last night on, um, on Pompeii, and just recently they 
unearth two other homes there and somebody would move right into it and it'd be like this is what they would describe a room that they wanted and i was like if you described it i would show you this room um because it's um you know it has beautiful patterns um and so all the elements of antiquity without the clutter i think you mentioned earlier the importance of uh your education what kind of research do you do before you embark on a new project I do quite a bit of research. Um, Manhattan apartments that I worked on, um, I worked on um, two building, two apartments in one building at 998 Fifth Avenue, which was designed by McKinney and White. And it's there have only been like three different families who've lived in the units. And the first family, one was a Guggenheim, and he. Um, um, so it was McKim, Mead, and White design. And then in the 60s, a Greek couple moved in, and they brought in all this French paneling. It was supposed to be Jean-Saint from Paris covering all of the McKim, Mead, and White. And then the new owner after that wanted to find out what was real and what, what wasn't. And um, so I do a lot of history, a lot of research on what the original apartment would have looked like and some owners might want to get it back to that integrity. One, because of the resale value. You know, we're selling our apartment. Um, you know, we want it original McKinney and White. What do we have to do to get there? So um, apartments like that require a lot of research to get it back to the original. And some of the some of the renovations, obviously, kitchens, bathrooms, maze rooms turned into exercise rooms are necessary, but um, sometimes they're just, you know, ripping out beautiful carved wood moldings or, or, or fireplaces. So um, projects like that can require a lot of research if they want to get it back to the original. And most apartment buildings have original floor plans from the, um, from the time the apartment was built. That Park Avenue McKim Mead and White example you just described had a theme, which was to take it back to the original. Does every design project have a theme? Does that guide you in what you do? And is that theme, how much of that theme is yours and how much of it's dictated by the building itself and how much of it's the client's vision? Um, it depends. I have a client that I were, I did her home in Greenwich and then she was building a shingle house um, with one of the ICAA architects um, at the beach and she knew my design style. And so she just said, um, you know, pretend it's your house, you know, your home, what would you do for it? And of course I like classical and I like color and I like these motifs and I like spare rooms. I don't like a lot of furniture. I don't like um, mixing different periods in a room. I like it, um, um, you know, to be airy, simple, elegant. And sometimes I'll find like one antique classical chair and then I'll take it to, um, you know, the person that does my, makes furniture for me. Everything is custom pretty much that I do. So I'll take him one model and then he'll design 10 chairs based on that one. So instead of doing kind of an eclectic look of chairs because you can't find a set of 10, I'll just take one model and then have that, um, have it you know designed and then have him do it and then it doesn't have to be it can be a classical chair based on a model but it can be painted and then with some gilding it doesn't have to be brown furniture 
So um, I think once I am doing a second project for a client, they know that I like classical. They enjoy the way the first house turned out and they want it similar except maybe different colors, area, um, you know, different functions for the rooms. But, um, you know, just they like they're hiring me because they like, you know, the craftsmanship, the custom work that I put into it and um, um, just the overall classical feel it has. Well, tell me a little bit more about the craftsmanship and the collaborations you have. You have, you have a, a person who makes chairs. Um, what other what other artisans? I work with um, a woodworker, and he's in Long Island City. He used to be downtown Manhattan, and um, he can do any kind of woodworking. He does, um, um, you know, curtain poles. He'll do chairs, tables beds if I want a, you know, I can find, I can show him one picture of say a HEPA white bed and he can design the whole bed based on that one drawing because there are so many pattern books. So if I find a style I like, and it's very hard to find, um, you know, neoclassical furniture, um, then he can, um, basically make everything from a, um, from a sketch from a, from, from an original pattern book. And, um, I work with, um, painters, gilders, um, people that do murals. I can, you know, if you go back to Pompeii and look at some of the murals there with the um, scenery, with the architectural elements, with the, um, um, you know, some are geometric. Um, you can design something like that, a panel or a wall mural for, say, a dining room. I've done that a lot of times. I do... I work with someone who does custom floor staining. So if you have a geometric pattern or a border for a floor that you want, so it looks like marquetry. Um, you know, there's so many different craftsmen and painters that I use depending on, number one, the client's budget, the client's taste, the time that we have, the location. Um, but I like sharing those ideas because it's nothing that you're going to see in a magazine. You know, it's not pick up the latest magazine. You know, I want that. You can say, you haven't ever seen this before. This is an idea that I have based on something in classical and antiquity. And they've never thought of it and they've never seen it. And they, they don't know that it's possible, that there's someone out there that can help us put this together to make their apartment custom and unique. And that's why somebody would hire me. I think I think of the the perfect outfit we pick out for a gala, thinking that we're going to be the only one at the <laughs> gala with that outfit. Right. And then we show up, and five other people have the same dress on or the I same know. tuxedo. I know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I do. I dye most of my fabrics. I buy a lot of um, Irish linen from from Ireland, and then I have somebody downtown in the garment district. I'll find you know for one project uh, she had a pink Brooks Brothers shirt. And she said, I love this color. You can spend a year of the GNC building and not find it. So I took that and they, um, you know, they do a sample of a dye in that pink. And then we, you know, make selections from the, from the strike offs and have that painted. I strike, I do my own wallpaper design and printing carpet. Um, so really every aspect of it can be, can be custom, custom made. So that's how you collaborate with craftspeople. How do you collaborate mm -hmm. with architects and or contractors? 
contractors is tricky because um, of the liability. So I usually have the, the client sign a contract with the contractor. I might bring him in and then um, do kind of supervision because he's doing something based on my drawing or my idea. And um, so I'll usually have the client, um, you know, sign the contract with them, but I'll find the source. And, um, you know, sometimes there's so many different levels of contractors. Someone could could do just really custom woodworking for me in like paneling or something in the or kitchen or bathroom, which doesn't require a general, you know, a huge general contract, but a more custom one. One that comes to mind is um, Arthur Jessel. You know, he, I would sometimes use him for small projects. Um, and different uh, buildings require different um, documents and, and um, filing. So some buildings require um, the drawings to be um, approved by the building department and filed and stamped there, which can take a lot of time. I worked on in one apartment building in um, on Park Avenue, 575 Park. It's called the Beekman, and it used to be a hotel residence. So they didn't have a formal kitchen and bathroom. So I, um, and it was for a friend of mine who was kind of her first starter apartment. And um, so I did the architectural drawing. And um, because there was no, we weren't moving a bearing wall. I just had to file it with the building. And within a year, I had like seven jobs in that building. Just people from the elevator. You know, the elevator yeah. would open like, what is this? And yeah. I'd say, oh, I can have a kitchen. I can have a kitchen here. And um, so I used the same drawing and just kept refiling it. You know, different, different, you know, marble top or whatever. But um, so um, sometimes you don't need a uh, registered architect. If it needs to be filed with the building department, you do. If it's a complete renovation, of course you do. But for small things, um, you know, I, I can usually manage that. You find yourself working with registered architects? I do. So um, often it's the client will bring me on board after they're already working with the architect. So they've hired the architect in a year down the road when it's time to do decorating or pick out, you know, materials such as what is the entrance hall floor, what is the kitchen countertop, what are the bathroom fixtures, they'll have me do that. Um, um, and then I'll be working more with the client and then coordinating a little bit with the architect. Um, so I've no, I'm not sure I've worked on teamed up with an architect to work on a project. Um, but it's usually the client will bring one or the other in. And um, sometimes I've referred clients to an architect saying, you know, why don't you call them? And then once you have that part of the project completed, then we can start working on the um, right. design. So what would, what do your, what do all your clients have in common? There must be some common thread among the people who you work with yeah i have never formally advertised or you or used a pr agent and i've lived in the same you know square mile for most of my adult life so it's usually a referral it's somebody that um um i've you know i've worked with antique shops and they've referred me because they know the client likes this kind of period furniture and they know that i can 
you know, work with the furniture that they're collecting. Um, so it's really kind of a referral basis like that. I've had college alumni that I've that I've worked with. I did in the every side. I've um, donated design consultation to the school's silent auctions, and somebody will don't you know will will bid on you know one hour design consultation. And once you go there and give them all these ideas, they hire you. It's amazing. I've gotten so many projects from um, from um, you know referrals from the uh, people ask me to donate my time. Would you, would you say that they they come to you because they know you know classicism or because you have a knowledge and appreciation for their antiques. Does anybody, do, do modernist clients ever come to you and ask for help? Um, they have a few times, but usually you know in the beginning, you know, once you kind of do the first kind of concept, they're like, you know, really, we like Edermeyer. <laughs> You know, I can refer you to someone that likes that style. Um, so you go pretty much right away. But most of my clients um, um, come to me if I have a client, they'll have a cocktail party and then someone from the party has seen it. So it's all then people have walked in the apartment, they've seen it and then they've called. So it hasn't really been, um, you know, publishing big spreads and architectural digest. It's I'm more of a small boutique firm where it's been um, really word of mouth from, from, you know, my friends started buying apartments and um, they were in the banking world and, you know, then they started buying country houses. And one thing, my parents had a home in Newport. So I um, did some work up there at Bonnie Crest, which is one of the, um, one of the um, you know, old mansions and, you know, wound up working on a couple projects there just because, you know, you go up for the weekend and you're put to work. <laughs> yeah. But um, right. um, so it's just a variety. I, um, um, I love to travel and I love Irish Georgian is probably my favorite period. And um, I'm an Irish, uh, have an Irish passport. So I moved to Ireland um, for a year to work on, to work on some things and um, just to kind of, I always just dive right into, you know, the, the, um, um, you know, kind of the theme that I'm working on. So I um, kind of studied all the um, Irish Georgian plaster work. Right, right. Let Let's finish up, Terry, by uh, having you give emerging design professionals some good advice. I think um, the best advice would be to um, go to a very good sound design school and learn um, learn the basics. I had to take um, materials, drafting, lighting, kind of a survey of um, history of architecture and interior design. Um, I think you have to spend. I spent you know four years at a drafting table, seven days a week. I think you have to do that to develop your eye into, um, you know, what a floor plan looks like and, and um, walk through a space looking at a piece of paper is so important. You know, sometimes people are like, where would you put that? You have to visually walk through a space. Where are you going to put the sofas? Where are you going to put the rug? Um, I think internships can be invaluable because you can um, kind of pick a um, aspect of the, of the field that you like. This field is so varied, you know, 
commercial, residential, and I just love decorative arts and I loved history. And um, so those opportunities were there. And um, I did an abroad program in Paris studying history of French art and architecture. I, I did it at the time because I needed the credit <laughs> and, um, you know, to kind of catch up. So I think, you know, having those four years in college of studying interior design is really um, helpful. I've had a lot of assistants who have, you know, had a, a second career and, and um, I see the value of someone who has really kind of gone through those steps. And, um, and also I think uh, another advice I would give is just to um, visit museums, develop your eye, go to the period rooms and, um, you know, find out what your taste is and, and what you like and read a lot. I'm still reading. I'm still, you know, kind of last night, I, you know, watch the Pompeii movie, but really, you know, kind of, everyone has their own style and, um, and find out what, what, what you love. I just thought of one last question. I know you've practiced both in Washington, DC and New York. Do you see a difference between the clients in New York and the clients in Washington? Well, I've only been in Washington for a short time and all my vendors are in New York. So I'm going back and forth. So the difference really is the, um, the resources, you know, all my resources are in New York. And, um, you know, I think that that's pretty much where I belong is, um, you know, my base has been there and Washington is, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a different education process, I think. Right. But Washington has such beautiful architecture. It's such a great place to learn about architecture in Washington. And, um, um, so I'm glad that I, that I went to college down here. Mount Vernon. Well, thank you, Terry. This has been interesting. I know our audience will feel the same way. Good luck to you in your practice here and around the world. Thank you so much, Peter. Nice to chat with you. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Pete Miller, and you're listening to Building Tradition, brought to you by Traditional Building Magazine. Subscribe on Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast.